Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the live stream for the First Congregational Church that meets in Belding, Michigan. This is our sixth um, Sunday in Easter, and um, we're logging on a little bit early just to say good morning to everybody before we begin our service. Um, so how is everybody doing? Remember, we do have the comment section on the side for people to leave some comments, um, people to say hi, or you can say hi to each other. If you have some prayer requests, um, if you want to put them in there, I can't guarantee that I will see them um, before we go to our time of prayer, but we can most definitely add them to our email that we send out after the service that includes all the prayer requests that have been shared um, throughout the service. <clears throat> I hope everybody's doing well. Um, this has been a, it's been a long time. Um, to, if we're being honest, since we've been able to meet with each other at church and see each other's faces. One of the neat things that we did last week is we had a, a Zoom meeting with about seven or eight people who joined us from the church. And it was just nice to see each other's faces a little bit, hear each other's voices. Um, Zoom is an interesting um, beast to tackle, as um, if you ask any of the teachers who have been trying to teach via um, Zoom, they will tell you that uh, you you get tired of seeing your own face and the, the interesting part about it is um with people's microphones it keeps switching faces to whichever person it hears so um we're planning to do two zooms this coming week as a church um, one on the tuesday and one on on friday um they're going to be 40 minutes long uh, we get 40 minutes for uh, for free with zoom so it's just a quick time where we can uh, meet up together see each other's faces say hi and so forth we're going to give people a few more moments um, before we join, before we begin our service. Hopefully, everybody received the emails that we, the email that we sent out with all of our readings for this come for this week. Um, I'm going to be trying to get those out by Friday each day, each week, so that we can um, share in our readings together, and you guys can see the scripture readings a little bit before. Um, so let us begin this morning again. I'd like to welcome everybody to our Facebook Live. Sunday morning service. Um, this is the sixth Sunday of Easter. This is actually one of my most favorite texts that we're going to um, read this morning for our service and speak on, found in the book of Acts. Um, but welcome again. Um, for those of you who are listening or watching on YouTube, this is taking place on the sixth Sunday. And uh, those of you who are listening to us on the podcast, we thank you for downloading it and taking some time out of your day to listen to our service. But let us begin this morning with our um, new tradition that we've been started throughout these last couple of weeks is a prayer specifically for those affected by COVID-19. So if you'll bow your heads and join me in prayer this morning. O God of all mercy and compassion, life and death are in your hands. Hear our prayers in this time of illness and infection, of isolation, of fear and uncertainty. For the sick and those weighed down by pain, distress, loneliness, and anxiety. For all who care for them, conscious of the risks they bear. And for those who have responsibility for public health and social order. Hear the cry of the afflicted and let them be comforted. So that all who suffer may come to know that they are joining in the sufferings of Christ. Who gave his life for the salvation of the whole world and by your blessing of them and those who care for them. May they be restored according to your will, to the soundness of body and mind, and to offer your joyful thanks for your church. 
through Christ Jesus, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you, united with the Holy Spirit, and God forever and ever. Amen. We'll go over a couple of announcements this morning. Um, first of all, our Wednesday evening, we're continuing with our Bible studies. So please feel free to join us for those. We are wrapping up our Heaven, Hell, and the Afterlife. And the series, the part that everybody's been waiting for, I I'm, I'm keep, getting, keep getting asked when we're going to talk about it, but we're talking about those scriptures in Revelations in regards to the Lake of Fire. We'll be tackling those this coming week. I've really enjoyed our Wednesday evening Bible studies. Not as much as our normal ones when we're able to sit around a table and um, have more of a dialogue, but it's been a great um, opportunity due to technology to continue those. We Our Thursday meals are continuing. Um, during these next two Thursdays, we're going to have um, the, the host of our church. One of the changes that's happening to our Thursday evening um, meals is we're now going to be partnering with the St. Joe's Catholic Church. They came over and watched how we did our Thursday meals to go. Um, starting in June, the um, St. Joe's Catholic Church will be doing the first and the third Thursdays of every month, and we'll continue by doing the second, the fourth, and if there's a fifth Thursday, we'll do that one as well. It's been awesome to see our church step up and be able to help those in need, but it's also refreshing and joyous to see another church um, decide to join us in the um, in serving our community. It lightens the load a little bit on us, but we've been blessed to be able to continuously serve those in our community in need. It's been neat just to see people stop by and drop off bags and cookies and the likes for the, the meals. So I'll be sending out an email a bit more update of how things are going to change in the month of June. Um, but it's just awesome to have seen somebody from St. Joe's stop by, see what we're doing, go and talk to their their priest, and um, convince them that that's something that they should be doing as well. Um, one of the joys of working in building is to see the um, different churches come together and work together to help those who are in need. Um, as we had mentioned earlier, we're going to try two Zoom meetings this week together as a church. We're going to be looking at Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. Um, all the information that, about the Zoom meetings were emailed out in our weekly me email update that I sent out on Friday morning or Friday afternoon. Um, I'll be sending out um, the day before to everybody again each information for the individual Zooms. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with the Zoom meeting is, it is a video conference call where we can all get on and, and um, just talk. For those of you who, who know people who might not have um, the ability to video conference with a Zoom, you're also able to call in and listen to it and participate via your lane line as well. Um, another thing um, that's come up recently in Kent in Kentwood, if you go um, to the website, which I'll post later on, I believe it was in the email I sent out as well, it's projectbaseline.com. There's the ability to get free COVID-19 testings for those of you who are um, working or, or believe that you would need to be tested because of people you become in contact with. If you go to projectbaseline.com, you're able to fill out a questionnaire and they're able to um, set up a time for you to get a free COVID-19 test. Um, it takes roughly about two to five days to get the results. But specifically, those of you who are actively working still um, and have the ability to keep working, it's, it's a good idea to maybe take a look into that if, you, if you're feeling a bit under the weather uh, or your um, primary care physician is unable to get you a test. Uh, one thing that we would like to do this week is um, I'm going to send out an email after church. I sent out a lot of emails recently, but we're going to send out another email after our service today um, asking for you guys to send some photographs in of yourselves. 
um, holding up a little like we love you guys or whatever kind of sign you want to you send in. We'd like to get all of those by probably Friday of next week. Uh, so we can put a little um, presentation together to share before our church service and put on our social media accounts just to to incur to continue to encourage each other. Um, one really great thing that happened over the, at the end of last month is um, we want to share that Generational Recovery received their 501c3 status. Um, that has taken us quite a while, a lot of paperwork, a lot of the, anyone who's ever filed a 501c3 knows the amount of paperwork it takes to fill one of those out. We've been extremely blessed to have received that on April 28th, which really means that we're able to apply for a lot of the grants for generational recovery that um, we've been needing to to pay some of the um, the for some of the projects we're doing. If you're not up to date on what generational recovery does, that is what um, has been happening at the high school. One of them, um, where we have the recovery room, where people are able, the kids are able to have um, a smart room. It's also the meetings that meet in our church. And the, the vision for generational recovery is quite large and the ability to have our 501c3 and write grants has been phenomenal. Um, if you have any other announcements that you'd like to make, if you wanna leave them in the comments below, we'll email them out later. But at this moment, if you are able, if you'll take out your email that was sent so that we can um, participate together in our, <coughs> sorry, um, in our, call to worship as a responsive call this morning, and I'll give you a moment. All right, if you could join me in our responsive call to worship. Oh God, who made the world and everything in it, we pray with one voice proclaiming your presence to all the earth. For skeptics and believers, for clergy high and low, for those who seek God at home, at work, and in the streets and in the pews, for all who search for life, come and listen. And we will tell you what our God has done for us. We are alive in the spirit. We are saved through water because Christ lives and we live. For we too are God's offspring. For presidents and prime ministers, for bosses and wardens, for those who set the course at home, at work, and in the streets and in the pews, for all who wield power, come and listen. And we will tell you what our God has done for us. We do not fear what others fear. We proclaim the hope that is in us because Christ lives, we also live. For we too are God's offspring. For friends and lovers, for neighbors and strangers, for those who eat at home, at work, in the streets and in the pews, for all who live in the world, come and listen, and we will tell you what our God has done for us. In God we live and move and have our being. From God we have life and breath and all things, because Christ lives, we also live. For we too are God's offspring. For the sick and troubled, for the fearful and alone, for those in pain at home, at work, in the streets and in the pews, for all who suffer, come and listen. And we will tell you what our God has done for us. Our prayers are not rejected, our souls are held in life. In truth, our God has heard us, and love is not withheld, because Christ lives, we also live. For we too are God's offspring.
for those kept in memory, for those long forgotten, for all who ever took the breath of life at home, at work, in the streets and in the pews, from the dead and those who mourn then, come and listen, and we will tell you what God has done for us. We are blessed by your presence. We are filled with your spirit because Christ lives, we also live. For we too are God's offspring. God of heaven and earth, companion in life, spirit and truth, you, to you alone, we turn our eyes and we lift our hearts. And if you'll join me together in the invocation this morning, Loving God, in Jesus you offer life to the world and to its people. And we see life only for and when we see life only for ourselves, forgive us. Help us to hear your transforming love. Speak to us, speaking to us respectfully, dignity sorry, speaking to us of respect, dignity, and worth, telling us that we are loved and that we are to love one another. And the knowledge of this love. Work through us to bring your justice to this world in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For our kids' message this morning, um, we'll have Peyton come and step down and, and sit, sit in front closer to the computer, if you will, Peyton. Um, for our kids' message this morning, we're going to be looking at the scriptures of John chapter 14, verses 16 through 21. And it says this, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells in you and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, the, uh, yet, uh, yet, yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live also you will live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. One of the things I want to stress, not only to our kids during this time, but also to all of our adults is the beginning here, where Christ promises to send a comforter and a helper. Um, for those of us who have been staying home or, or have fears with not being able to work or the kids who are unable to get out and spend time with their friends and, and just do the things that they normally do, I want to remind you that God is there to be your comfort and your strength. Um, for me specifically, I've only been getting out a couple days a week to be able to go and do our Tuesday, Thursday evening meals. And I'm a very social person. I like to get out. I like to talk. I like to be with people and it's been hard and I have to have the reminder that in all of this God through his Holy Spirit is here to comfort me and to give me peace and to reside with me and to give me that comfort that only he can bring the scriptures talk about a peace that surpasses all understanding that comes from God and we want to remember that the Holy Spirit brings that not only to our kids during their time of need and in their time of anxiety and fear, but also to us as adults. Um, so often I think that as adults, we try to rely more on ourselves. Um, I think that we need to rely more on, on God's presence. And that's not always easy for us to do, but our challenge for 
our teenagers and our young people today, and along with our adults, is to rely on the presence of God. Remember that God is present with us through the valleys of the shadow of death, but also through the good times as well. Let us remember that he is there to bring us comfort and peace. I know that a myriad of us have been going through a, a boatload of emotions um, during this COVID-19 thing, or the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, sometimes it's best to sit back, put on some tunes, and reflect on the presence of God being with us. So let us remember that Jesus said he will send a helper who will be there for us in our times of need. As we prepare to go to a time of prayer, a couple of requests that I'd like to share with you guys. Um, Nancy just posted in our um, comment section that she is asking for prayer for herself as she's going to undergo a medical procedure on Tuesday. Um, it's going to be a biopsy, and she's praying that they rule out cancer. So let's remember to keep Nancy Bernard in our prayers during this time, specifically on Tuesday, um, as she travels to get her biopsy. A couple other requests that we'd like to share with you. Um, let's remember Scott Gladding. Um, he's uh, been recently diagnosed with cancer and undergoing treatment. So let's remember the Gladding family at this time. Let's definitely remember those who are in isolation. Um, specifically, let's think of in this week, those who are waiting for results for tests, whatever medical tests and stuff that's being backed up. Um, let's remember to pray for peace and patience for those who are living, who are living in a bit more turmoil as they wait for those test results. So remember for schools and colleges as they try and plan for the fall semester, may God give them wisdom for that. Let's pray for businesses and workers during this time, specifically the businesses who are unable to be open at this time and are undergoing a lot of financial stress. A lot, a lot of things come along with financial stress that put strains on relationships, that put strains on businesses. Um, just pray for, um, I want to pray for a resolution to all of this and um, clean and clear guidelines and um, direction from our from our government. And then um, let's pray for those who are in authority over us um, during this time as well. So let's go um, to a time of prayer this morning. Father, we come before you this morning, Lord, and we thank you for technology. And even though I only get to stare at my own face during this time, we, Lord, we are thankful for even technology like Zoom. Father, as we um, try and wade through the waters of um, Zoom and technology, may you give us patience. May you allow us, Lord, to be able to connect on a certain level um, when we are um, through technology. Father, may we also rely on the, on the great postal service we have in this country as we send cards to each other. Father, we think of our graduating seniors this week, Lord, as this would have been their graduation week. Father, as we as a community and specifically us as a church, as we hold them up high and as we congratulate them, Lord, may we keep them in the forefront of our minds. Um, may we send them uplifting messages, Lord, and, and cards. And may they understand, Lord, that they are loved truly by all of us. Father, we think of Nancy Bernard as she is preparing to go in for a biopsy on Tuesday. Lord, may your hand of healing be upon her. But may you give her that peace, Lord, that you promised that surpasses all understanding. Lord, may the biopsy come back clean. And Lord, may you continue to heal her from whatever ailment she has. Father, we ask for prayers for the Gladding family this morning. We pray for Scott. Lord, we ask that your hand of healing and comfort be upon him. Whatever pain that he is in, Lord, we ask that you remove it. We ask for divine wisdom for the nurses and doctors that are um, working with him. 
We pray for Sid and Shelly, Lord, and that you be able to give them a clean, clear mind. May they be able to continue to help Scott in the ways that he needs it. Father, we pray for those who are in isolation, specifically those, Lord, who live home alone. Lord, may we as a church, may we step outside of our comfort zone and pick up the phone and give them a call. May we connect with them, Lord, and may we um, share what's going on in our lives so they can share what's going on with their lives. For those who are living home alone in isolation, Lord, and may, may you loosen their anxiety and their fears. Lord, may we be able to continue to serve them in different ways in our, um, in our community, and we're thankful that we're able to connect with them. Father, we think of those who are waiting on test results. Um, we think of Nancy as she'll be waiting on the test results for her biopsy. But those who have been tested, Lord, for COVID-19 or other ailments that are going on, and they haven't received the results for their tests. Father, we pray for comfort. We pray for compassion. We pray for grace, and we pray for mercy. And Lord, as those results come back, Lord, we ask for the mental strength to be able to deal with those results, and that we as church family will be able to help those in their plights. Father, pray for schools and colleges as they start planning for the fall semester. Lord, in these times of uncertainty, may you lead and guide them. May you give them the wisdom and may they consult the science and all the facts as they make these decisions. Father, we pray that as the schools and colleges make decisions that impact everybody, that all, um, all the, the facts will be weighed. We ask, Lord, that you would be giving them divine wisdom as they make decisions that affect all peoples. Father, we pray for businesses today. We specifically pray for businesses that have had to remain closed for the last two months. Lord, we ask that we as a community, specifically in our community of Belding, would be able to support our local businesses. Lord, those of us who are able to um, have more expendable money, may we reach out to them. May we be able to help them. Lord, we ask that as they, as they work out how to reopen, that the government will be able to give them clear guidelines of what needs to happen. Lord, as they open up, um, hopefully in the coming months, may we um, walk through their doors. May we spend our money there so that we can continue to grow our community in Belding. Father, we pray for um, those, who are, those who are working through it. We think of those who are working in the fast food restaurants, those who are working in the grocery stores. Lord, may you protect them. Uh, we are thankful, Lord, that there's um, protective measures that are put up, and may you continue to protect them in this. Father, we think of all the different things that are weighing heavy on each person's heart and mind at this time. Lord, we ask that you be moving and that you be, we would sense your presence in each one of those. Father, we are thankful for Christ and everything he taught his disciples. And we're reminded of when they asked him, Rabbi, how should we pray? And he taught them this prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Um, if you would check our chat section as well, there are a couple of other um, prayer requests that have been added. Um, Dave and Amy said praises praises um, for Dave's labs and EKG came back good. Um, he's only got a script to help with the swelling in his foot. So we want to thank um, everybody for that. Um, happy birthday to Val Peacock. Happy birthday, Val. Um, I need to make sure that when I'm in the church on uh, Monday or Thursday that I write down the upcoming birthday so we can celebrate um, everybody during um, our live service. 
And then another one is Bobby is asking for prayers for her sister and brother-in-law um, who has been deployed to the by the Navy um, for the next three to four months. Um, so I want to pray for him as he's going to be deployed in June. If you would join my, me um, with our scripture readings this morning, I pressed something on my computer and now everything's disappeared. There it is. Um, our Old Testament reading comes from Psalm chapter 66, verses 8 through 20. This is from the English Standard Version. If you want to pull it up in your phone or out of your, um, in your Bible, this is Psalm chapter 66, verses 8 through 20. And the psalmist wrote this. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. Who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip? For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. Yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you, that which my lips uttered, and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. I will offer to you burnt offerings of fattened animals with the smoke of the sacrifice of rams. I will make an offering of bulls and goats. Come and hear all who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would have not listened. But truly God has listened and has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. The word of the Lord. Our New Testament reading this morning comes out of the book of Acts, chapter 17, verses 22 through 31. It says Acts, chapter 17, verses 22 through 31. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. And, the, and Luke wrote this. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Agropolis, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the object of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gave, gives to, to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. So they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. He is actually not far from each one of you, for in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring." Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think of the divine being, divine being as like gold or silver or stone or image formed by the art, or art and imagination of man. The time of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent 
because he has a fixed day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. The word of the Lord. Acts chapter 17 is one of those most interesting parts of the scriptures. I have, very, I have a couple of very favorite portions in scripture, and John 15 being one of them, uh, John 20 being another one, and Acts chapter 17. A lot of part of Acts is, is a really interesting book, but this is one of my favorite portions because it kind of goes contrary to some of the narratives that we might think about when we talk about that dreaded word that we'll call evangelism, right? Telling other people about Jesus. So the Apostle Paul, to give some context here, well, to start off with, we, we, we've mentioned this before, gospel literally means good news. And inside of the context that Jesus is using the word gospel when he was, when he was preaching, and now when the disciples use the word gospel, inside that context, there was this thing that would happen where the Roman, people, Roman army would come in and bring good news to a city. Their good news was, if you obey us, we won't kill you. And, and the, the authors kind of commandeer this, um, this word of gospel and integrate Jesus' good news into it, the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, so the context here, just so that we're all on the same page, we're going to do a little bit of... Um, a little bit of history just to catch us up. So the book of Acts is the book that follows um, the four Gospels. It is written by Luke, um, who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And then it's a continuation. It's almost like Gospel of Luke Part 2. Um, and this part that we're reading, Acts chapter, 20, Acts chapter 17, happens obviously after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. After Jesus ascends into heaven. And after the disciples start going out and preaching the gospel, but after the establishment of the church in Jerusalem. So this is happening after the establishment of church. Uh, maybe not church as we know it, but the way that the, uh, the author of um, the book of Acts, who is Luke, writes, talk, he refers to them as the people of the way. They're following the ways and the footsteps of Jesus Christ. The church has been established, and here in this part of um, Acts chapter 16, 17, and 18, we have Silas, Paul, and Timothy, and others who are going around spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, people are believing. The interesting thing, as you read specifically in, the, in um, Acts chapter 17, if you read it from the beginning, um, the author Luke really lays out some interesting things. He, he mentions that women become believers. Um, and it, it's, that's a really important thing for the original author to, to um, point out because women were not seen as having the voting ability during this time. They were also not um, considered necessary first-class citizens. And even inside of the Jewish culture, they had their own separate temple court outside of the regular temple court. So for, the apostle, uh, for Luke to say that women were becoming um, followers of Jesus and it says that men and women, aristocrats, men of power, women of power, um, the poor, the Greek, the Jew, all started believing in the ways of Jesus Christ. Um, it's really interesting the way the gospel of the author of Luke writes this. So people are believing, um, both the Jews, Gentiles, men, women, rich, poor, powerful, and the plebe. Um, they're all believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Paul comes to Athens. This is where we're at and, the, and where we are now. Paul comes to Athens. But just before he's in Athens, he's in Thessalonica, and he's in Berea. 
Now, what happens in Thessalonica is he is going and he is talking about Jesus Christ to the Jews and the Greeks. He is telling them about the resurrection and he is preaching to them. The interesting thing in both of the time, or all three times, whether it is Thessalonica, Berea, or Athens, it says that he stays there for a while before he preaches. He learns about what people around there are about. So he um, finds out in Thessalonica that um, he's preaching it, and he gets ran out of the city. It actually says that he was staying in a man's house called a man called Jason's home, and as he is in the in the home, he, um, one night when he's not there, they raid Jason's home and they drag Jason out, and they say, "You tell us where the man is." He is a man of high treason. He is saying that Caesar is not king and that this Jesus is king. And they arrest Jason and then they have to, he has to post bail before he goes on trial. And then as Paul, Silas, and Timothy escape um, from Thessalonica, they end up in Berea. And in Berea, the same thing happens. There's a big rebellion and they don't want to listen to what Paul and Silas and Timothy are saying. And they also have to sneak out in the middle of the night. And it says that some people believed. But we see that in Thessalonica and Berea, when the message of Jesus came, there was um, conflict and there was um, violence directed at them. And the interesting thing we find is that they flee. So now we find that Paul arrives in Athens, Greece. This is one of my favorite scriptures, and I, we're about to find why, because I like to, I like debate. I like open discussion. I feel like debate and open discussion is a lost art. Um, if you probably ask my son, I'm probably not good at open discussion with him. Um, but I am. I love, like, one of the things I deeply miss is our beer and Bibles where we go to the horse's mouth and we sit around a table and we sit with good friends and we all have differing opinions on different things. And we have the ability to have open discussion and respectful discussion. So Paul arrives in Athens, Greece. Athens is the capital of Greece. It's... Um, 1,816 miles from Jerusalem. This was before Greyhound and before airplanes and all that. So this is the, the Paul's travel, Paul, Silas, and uh, Timothy have traveled quite a ways as they're going and telling people about Jesus Christ. Um, Greece, or Athens specifically, is known as the birthplace of European civilization. Um, it was founded about 7,000 years ago. So it's a really old city. I was talking with Emmett. Emmett right now is going through this wonderful time where he... Um, where he loves ancient and vintage things. eBay has become one of his best friends, going to look for ancient things. He calls them vintage and ancient time things. He's looking for um, that one thing where he's going to have to, where he'll be able to buy it and resell it and never have to work and, and have his retirement set for life. Um, we haven't introduced him to the Antiques Roadshow yet. That might be something we should do. But um, one of the things is he thinks of things as old as, he thinks I'm old, but um, ain't ancient. But um, in the United States, we really don't have things that are super old. When we think of going to Greece and we see the um, different structures there, some things that have been around for 7,000 years. Um, and as a city, Athens began to, began to flourish in the 5th century. Um, that's when democracy actually began to be practiced in some extent inside of... Um, <laughs> He's talking right. <laughs> Uh, you know, that's the joy of doing these live, is you never know what's going to happen. Um, so he arrives in Athens, and we find that um, what we didn't read at, at first is we're going to read, I'm going to kind of recap 
what happened before um, the scriptures that we read. So Paul is waiting for Silas and Timothy in Athens. He's waiting for them. He doesn't want to go and start preaching this good news of Jesus Christ without them. But he looks around him and it says that he um, sees he sees all these idols. Um, Athens had become this area of religious inclusivity where any religion was allowed and and you had all the different temples and if you think of greek mythology we think of the pantheon of gods that they had they had zeus athena and all these different um deities that they either worshiped or believed in and had that mythology that that was with them so he sees all of it around that he gets he gets upset he gets angry Paul, being a monotheistic, believing in one God, is residing and living in an area that believes in a pantheon of gods, is, and believes in uh, multiple gods and, and they're in, the way they interact with humanity. Um, but we see that he takes advantage of the free flow of thoughts and ideas in Athens. Um, those are the things that got him kicked out of Berea and Thessalonica, was his, ability, his desire to have a discussion. One of the interesting things I find out about Paul's ministry is he didn't he went and he spoke the good news of Jesus Christ and those who believed believed those who didn't believe didn't believe and we don't see him going around trying to thump them over the head saying you must believe we have this idea that he preaches and then he moves on um so we we got to um he got to know some interesting things we we look in acts chapter 17 um chapter 17 verses 16 through 21 that he starts garnering the respect of epicureans and the stoics so he's sitting in the marketplace and for me this is like the perfect picture i would love to be involved in something like this sitting somewhere and you have the follower of jesus in paul you have the stoics you have the epicureans you have those who are following zeus and athena and other temple worship and they're all sitting around and they're listening to what paul has to say and in turn i believe that paul listens to what they have to say as well to him and there's this free flow of ideas and conversation i think we sometimes get we as in christianity in general um get this idea that we must convince others of the way we believe or else they're not going to be able to x y and z we lose the ability to talk and reason and agree to disagree um, we see that in our politics, we see that in our religious um, discussions, that we have lost the ability to agree to disagree and still be friends with each other. It's a, it's a, a lost art that I think we need to remaster. So if it says that he, he became well-known with the Epicureans and the Stoics, which means he has spent time there getting to know them, getting to know their thoughts and beliefs. So Epicureans, just, we're not going to go into an in-depth study of what Epicureans and Stoics believe. But an Epicurean um, teaches that the greatest good is to seek modest pleasure in order to attain a state of tranquility. Basically, Epicureans want to have that little bit of pleasure that relieves the stress from their lives. Um, they want to have freedom from fear and the absence from bodily pain. Um, they don't deny the existence of gods. Um, Epicureans believed that there were gods and there were probably multiple gods but they denied their involvement in the created order of the world. So Paul is discussing, having discussions with people who deny that gods are involved in anything if, if, when it comes to humans and creation, that the, they're seeking pleasures to relieve the stress of lives, and they're trying to always stay out of pain. Stoics, we, we talk, we, I think most of us understand 
what it means to be a Stoic. Um, but Stoics believed that knowledge was the highest virtue. They had four pillars of virtue that Stoics wanted to attain. And they, they were prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. Um, and they believed in a pantheon of gods. They were not monotheistic. They were Stoics who believed in a pantheon of gods. And they really revolved their um, way of life around their four virtues. And they said, if you believed and followed in these four virtues, then not only will you have peace in your life, but those around you will have peace and, and, and be out of each other's hair in essence. So Paul enters the debates with them. I can have Paul seeing this discussion as, as the Epicureans are saying, no, 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 the gods have nothing to do with us. They're up in their high mountains up there and they're just watching down and maybe Zeus throws a lightning a bolt down every now and then. And Paul's like, no, 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 think of this. The God who created all things, he takes on flesh and looks just like us and then comes down with us. And you have kind of like polar opposites. And it says that they loved what Paul was talking about. And they took it to one step further and they said, how about we go over to this quiet place over there and you tell us more about your ideas on God, more about your ideas on, on spirituality, more on your ideas about this man that you call, this God, a man that you call Jesus. So we find that they say, they take him to this place and they give him and say, make a presentation before us. This is where we pick up our text, what we read this morning in Acts chapter 17. Paul begins by, by, by flattering them. I mean, he, this, he's delivering the, 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 this message about who Jesus is, and he says this, Men of Athens, I perceive that you are very religious, for I saw all the altars that you have to other gods. And I noticed that you have an altar that says to the unknown God. See, it's almost like the people in Athens were covering their bases. And they were saying, well, we got all these other gods. But just in case there's another God out there that we don't know, we're going to have an altar to him. And we'll do some prayer stuff there as well. Um, so he said, it's almost like the people of Athens were hedging their bets. But Paul says, Let me, instead of me attacking your belief system already, Instead of me telling you where you're wrong and I'm right, instead of me telling you why Epicureanism is wrong, why Stoicism is wrong, why any of your myth, uh, Greek mythology is wrong, let me talk about this unknown God that you worship. Let me give a name to this unknown God. And this unknown God, he doesn't give a name to. He just describes who Yahweh is. So Paul says this, let me tell you about this unknown God that you worship. This unknown God that you worship, he made everything in heaven and earth, but he does not live in a temple made by humans. See, that's even, that's even the antithesis to what the Jewish culture believed at that time as well. They believed that Yahweh resided in the temples. If you go to Greece now, you see all the different temples to Athena and Zeus and Mars and all the different um, Greek gods, they have separate temples for them. And Paul says, you know, this unknown God, he created everything, but he doesn't need a temple. He doesn't reside in a temple. Paul is getting to a really important part. So he's setting up this, this debate. He's setting up by, by saying, first of all, your gods reside in temples. I am going to tell you that the God that you do not know, the unknown God, does not reside in temples. He takes it a step further and he says, he is not served 
by human hands as if he needs anything. Inside of the temple structure and worship that happened during this time, there was always the idea that we, that, that humans had to bring things to the gods. Um, you also had people who served in the temple courts, whether they be priests or temple prostitutes or different things like that. There are people who served in the courts of all of these um, temples. And Paul is saying, first of all, this unknown God does not reside in the temple. Second, he does not need to be served by man's hands. He does not need to be served as if he needs anything. He doesn't need to be fed. He doesn't need to be pampered. He doesn't need all of those things. Because it says, do you know why? Because he is the source of life, breath, and everything. All your other gods all have individual purposes inside of your religious structure. The unknown God provides everything. He is the source of life. He is the source of breath. He is the source of everything. The way that Paul is structuring his argument and structuring his presentation of Yahweh to the people in Athens is he's Look, he takes a look at what they have and he deconstructs it by saying, your gods are like this, but this unknown God is different. He doesn't need a temple for you to build. He doesn't need you to serve him. He doesn't need you to sustain him. He is actually the one that provides life and breath and everything that you have. Um, and then he goes and says this, we live and move in him and you can't get away from him. And then he takes it a step further. One of the, the most interesting things that the Apostle Paul does here at um, what is considered the Mars Hill um, deliver, um, sermon is this. He quotes two of their own, two of their own poets and philosophers. Um, many of us think, like if, if you heard this, the, um, if you hear this, the saying, in him we live and move and have our being. Oh, that's in the Bible. Yeah, but it's quoted in the Bible. But it's um, by Epidemius of Crete. He is a um, philosopher and a poet of the time where Paul was. And he's quoting one of their poets saying, your poets already kind of have this idea inside of them that in this God, we live and we move and everything in our being is part of this greater God that we don't, might not fully understand. And then he goes on and he Sorry, the microphone stopped. Then he goes on and he quotes another one. He quotes Artura's poem. He says, for we are indeed his offspring. We are the image bearers of God. What Paul is doing here is he's taking the argument that was written in Genesis, um, that we are the image bearers of God, and he is presenting the same presentation of Yahweh to a bunch of philosophers and poets in a way that they can fully understand, in a way that they comprehend it as well. The message doesn't change the way and the mood, the, the mode and the medium, but also the, um, the words that are used to relay that we are creating the image of God is the same. Acts chapter 17, what we read, and Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3 are saying the same thing, but in different ways. In Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, we find that they're writing, the original writers are writing to a group of people who are, in, who are coming out of exile and need to be retold that they are precious in God's sight, that they are not created for war, they are not created for destruction, they are not created through violence, but they are created through love, and that they bear the image of God and that their role in the world is to attend to the planet, to tend to creation, to tend to each other. Paul does the same thing. 
He says that you have all these other gods around you, that you serve them. You build temples for them. You work for them. You have to be part of the priestly order. You have to be part of the worship order. You have to be all these things to please them. And Paul says, this God that you say is unknown, I'm going to tell you about him. You bear his image. Your poets write about this and tell us that they, we bear this image. He goes on and says, we are the image bearers of God that you don't need stone or gold or silver idols to depict this unknown God, but that you bear his image already. He has set a day when the whole entire human race will be judged and everything set right. He says that Jesus will be the judge. And um, he ends by saying that, um, that Jesus is worthy to judge because he was raised from the dead. And that's kind of where the, the, the presentation ends because it says some laughed, some believed, and they left. The joy of this, and I know we're looking at what it says that God will judge the whole human race and through Jesus Christ because he was raised from the dead. Join us on um, Wednesday as we talk a bit more about judgment, the judgment of Christ and the lakes of fire. Um, yeah, clay, um, shameless plug on that one. But what Paul is saying here is that inside of this intellectual circle, inside of this place where there's a pantheon of gods, that you, you, all your gods are very similar. You have temples for them, you build statues for them, and you worship them. But Yahweh, this God of the unknown gods, is completely different because you are made in his image. There is no idol needed. When you look into the eyes of somebody else, you see the image of God, and your poets have already said this. But even more than that, inside of the created order that he gives breath, he gives life, he sustains everything. And that inside of everything that we live and we move and we have our being because of him. And he is trying to make God, Yahweh, that intimate relational God. Not the God like Zeus who comes down from Mount Olympus every now and then and impregnates a woman and there's a demigod that is born. No, he's saying that God took on flesh and dwelt and made his home among us. He says, when you look into the eyes, you bear the image of God. So if you want to see the image of this God that you say is unknown, look at each other. I find it interesting that the Apostle Paul doesn't lay out some five-point sermon that ends up with saying, you must say this prayer, you must do this. He just lays out the way that God has worked in creation and changes the meaning of the purpose between a deity and a God. Inside of Epicureanism, inside of Stoicism, inside of all of the religions of that time, the pantheon of gods were there for humanity to serve. Inside of the view of the way that Paul presents, Paul says he needs, Yahweh needs no temple. Yahweh needs not to be served and given food and, and pampered upon. Yahweh is seen in each one of you and the way that you live, God will come and judge. And the one who judges is the one who has been risen from the dead. The one who shows mercy and grace and inclusivity and love. He is the one that comes to judge. And he is the one who has the right to judge. And we'll talk about that judging more on Wednesday. Shameless plug 2.0. So in closing, one of my reasons, this is one of my favorite things, because it re 
emphasizes the way that we honestly need to relay what we believe about Christ to others. Point one, don't jump right into it. Paul spent time there building a rapport and building trust and building relationships with people before he expressed his thoughts. Step two, be open for open dialogue. We should not be going somewhere and saying this is the way it is without hearing what other people have to say. And the other thing is present it and continue to love people. It said they laughed, some believed, some laughed at him. The, the, the claims of Christianity are laughable when you think of it in, in reality. We believe that God, that God is in things and sustains all things and everything that has breath is, comes from him. And we believe that God took on flesh and looked like us and came and was born of a virgin Mary. And he walked this earth and became a carpenter. We believe that he was baptized by his crazy cousin who wore, um, who wore camel skin and ate locusts and wore a leather belt. And we believe that Jesus said the things that put him to death. He challenged the system. The reasons that Paul gets kicked out of Thessalonica and Berea, specifically, specifically Thessalonica, is this. What he was saying was that Jesus is king and Caesar is not. Inside of Athens, for some reason, they seem to have a more understandable ability to have an open discussion and debate about that. We need to preach the same thing. The ways of Jesus are against the kingdoms of this world. And when people laugh at us, they laugh at us. So in closing, I want us to reevaluate how we present Jesus to others. Not only through our words, but through our actions. Let's not beat people over the head with verses and beat people over the head with the Bible. Let's develop friendships so that people can see the love of God through us. So as we build trust, as we build um, true, authentic relationships, one of the things that annoys me that I have seen happen before is people build relationships with people just to tell them about Jesus. And that is not the way that this world needs to be. If I present Jesus to somebody after I have a relationship with them, they choose not to believe as I believe. I don't, we don't cut them out. We continue with our friendships. So let us close today in prayer. Father, as we come before you, Lord, we are thankful for the um, gospel of uh, the book of Acts, Lord, and how um, Luke writes about Paul's presentation on Mars Hill. Lord, may we be reminded that you move and are you a part of all things, Lord, that you do not need temples for us to build for you, that we do not need to serve you and pamper you and bring you food or anything like that, Lord, but you are the one who sustains us. May we be reminded, Lord, that as we look into each other's eyes, that we see the image of God. There is no need for idols. There is no need for anything like that. Lord, may we see the image of God and may we love the image of God in each individual person that we come in contact with. Father, pray that you continue to bless us, that you lead and guide us. And Lord, through the way that you bless us, may we be able to bless others. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So that will be a closing for today. I, there were a couple other prayer requests that were added to the list on the side. I will be emailing those out along with the link to our Zoom that's coming up. I want to thank everybody for joining us again today. It's awesome to see all of your little comments and faces down um, through your avatars on the side there. But remember that we are called to be people of peace, that we as the children of God are peacemakers, and everywhere we go, we should bring the peace of God and pray the peace of God before us, and that we leave it behind us wherever we go. So go in peace today.